flying sign with Joe Clady. This is Stoic Forge. What a perfect sleep to prepare for the Grand Canyon after a night of watching mindless shit. I felt refreshed, rejuvenated, and ready to go to the Grand Canyon. After doing some wandering Williams and running into more European travelers, um, I headed up to the Grand Canyon and realized that I was super tight on money, as I described last episode, and, um, I've always understood the value of a dollar, but now I was truly understanding the value of quarters and dimes, nickels, and even pennies, because that could add up to something. If you have enough, that's a double cheeseburger. Uh, The quarters in my little G.I. Joe tin that I had used to, to hold my change were nearly depleted using them for dollar coffees. Uh, it really just the, the price of admission for, for loitering at any McDonald's along the way. So once I got to the gate of the Grand Canyon, it cost $25 to get in. And I almost turned away thinking I have to be smart about this. But then I realized where I was at and that I can't take it with me anyways. I, well, you know, I have money in the account. That's really all that matters. That's going to get me from Greenwood to the end. Um, so I went in, paid it, went to the visitor center that seemed to resemble an old lookout post. Um, and approach, approached the guardrail with my head down. And I had been twice, once on this trip with my family and then another time on a, on a high school trip. Uh, and it's, it, it truly is magnificent and booming and just so, um, so immense and so far away that it it seems to be surrounded by its own atmosphere it's like if something off of of another planet a science fiction movie and with my head down walking towards the rail um, I looked up when my hands met that rail and it was an explosion of emotion and wonder and excitement knowing that this was mine to enjoy. This was the pilgrimage to this place. I mean, each each destination, um, I'm not going to say destination, each stop, I guess, was its own pilgrimage. Who's to say I would make it to the next one? So each, I realized that, that each stop could be the end. And it felt... Um, it felt right that maybe this should be where it concludes. 
and I was, I felt my heart race. Um, but then I felt calm knowing that I was surrounded by all of this, this history, this nature, this, um, ancient, ancient wonder that has been since capitalized and (laughs) made into a a tourist destination, but uh, it truly is a pilgrimage. So I called my parents to let them know, give them an update where I was, and uh, I realized that the, the, the roles had swapped. I caught myself begging to stay on the phone with them and not begging like crying about it but just you know it's okay well we'll see okay well how's so and so doing and just following up with another question before the the uh, goodbye protocol would would start to happen and it that worried me and I looking back now it's it was clearly a uh um, uh, I was reaching out. <laughs> I was trying to grab onto something uh, without spilling the beans. And I recognized that and pulled back because I couldn't let on to what was about to happen. So right outside in that um, last little um, bit of bit of civilization. Some of the hotels and um, another McDonald's and the IMAX little thing just kind of tucked in the woods right before you get to that that booth. Uh, I came out um, and parked at the Holiday Inn. Now I was very fortunate because most Holiday Inns, especially in big high traffic areas like this one, they'll ask for your make and model of your vehicle, but they just so happened to be under a huge renovating construction project. Um, and I thought maybe that wouldn't be an issue. So I asked um, someone walking in if, if they they asked for that in making up some lie. I can't remember now, but making up some lie about someone's coming and I just want to see if they'll need to, to have that information ready. They said, no, no, you're fine. And that was a relief. So now I had another safe place to hang um, and potentially a free breakfast in the morning. So there was some commotion next to me around 4 a.m. And I I sat up freezing cold, but sat up to see what was going on. It was people getting ready to go on their Grand Canyon adventure. Had all their gear and um, loading up in their truck and they had, you know, the, the hiker outfit, um, all their kids had the hats and the, you know, whatever, just, they were ready to go. And it was, um, it was, uh, sweet to see. And, uh, I was excited for them to experience this, uh, experience this, whether it was the f- third time like me or hopefully the first time. So I thought I'd try my luck and go to the breakfast buffet inside. And I was coy. 
and I was sneaky and I was sly. I put on my sweatpants and my sweatshirt, put on my house slippers that I brought with me, and walked from the parking lot through the side door, through where the, um, just an, um, a hallway of rooms, and then into the lobby, you know, rubbing my eyes, playing, playing the whole, oh, I just woke up, oh, what do you, what's here? And went to town, <laughs> went to town, it was just eggs, bacon, yogurt, juice, bagels, just loaded myself with coffee, uh, items that, that used to be common and that now put <laughs> Pop-Tarts to shame. So around 10, I got to the trailhead, and I was super excited to get down there. Uh, over the past year since the seed was planted, I had been physically training to, to, to make sure I could see all that I could see. Also to be able to get me out of a sticky situation and then... <clears throat> And that came in handy with with one feather, but anyways, this was this was what I had trained for. Uh, so I hit it hard and and set a pretty quick pace down the Bright Angel Trailhead, uh, past a bunch of people going down, and then as the day went on, I started to see exhausted and tired faces on the way up, as they were making their terrible way back up, and it didn't phase me. I, I would catch myself just staring at the ground the entire hike and occasionally rewarding myself to look up to the landscape. I was running down stretches, hopping off logs, pivoting off of stones. It was just felt so uh, epic and, and, and tribal. Passing wild turkeys that looked like ostriches, uh, having slight paranoia that a, a, a mountain lion is stalking me from behind and then I heard running water it was a small stream and I smiled and ran to it I had been wearing sandals the entire hike um, the only other footwear that I had uh, were just big sloppy boots and that just would have been hell and I, you know, I, I would run in those sandals, so I was callous enough to it, but, but the Grand Canyon will blister even the most callous defeat. So, break time was over, and I knew if I eventually wanted to do the Cross Canyon hike during my stay here, I would have to at least save some of my strength, or save some of my strength. And for some god-awful reason, I, I looked in my bag and realized that I had only brought a bagel from the buffet. There was mountains and mountains of food, and I don't know what the hell I was thinking. To where, and But I gobbled it down and um, hit it back hard running up the, the, the canyon and was starting to hit a wall quickly. I stopped for a break and and could feel it pretty hard. 
some kind people stop to, to fill up my water bottle and I pushed through to the third, the three mile rest stop, made some small talk with some people there. And, uh, we got a little lost in translation. Like I said, it was people from everywhere. Um, but just communicating, um, enjoying the, the struggle together. But I was really starting to get winded and lightheaded. Um, Especially since I had I had made it all the way to the bottom. I mean, I hadn't crossed, but I was bottom back up. Uh, there were other nice people that insisted that I take two granola bars and uh, a volunteer park ranger who must make that trip. <laughs> I mean, they, that's all probably all they do. A lot of them is just assigned to t- pick a trail and and comb through it looking for. Uh, pathetic, over-eager idiots like myself. Uh, and he offered me two packets of that emergency whatever to help me boost boost whatever in me, get, get some fluid and um, nutrients back in my system. I immediately consumed one of each and uh, cooled down in the shelter. And with some fake... Uh, optimism, I said, I'll see y'all at the top, and got back to hit it, but every 50 yards or so, I'd have to stop and rest, and my legs felt fine, Uh, but then I remembered what had happened at Sky City with my family, and the altitude, and the the quick um, adjustment. Now, I had made it down just fine, and this might be just me making an excuse, but I was I was pretty physically fit at the time, and uh, but I I really attribute a lot of my struggle to this to the uh, climb back in the altitude, and I was starting to get a little delirious. Uh, right away, I I made the choice to to skip on the Cross Canyon hike. <laughs> it, would have, I probably would have died out there, or worse, uh, had to pay two grand and and get flown out via helicopter. And yes, I say or worse. Uh, and I stopped and got sick. Felt much better, but uh, that quiver in my leg uh, snuck up on me, so I waited. Again, at the mile and a half rest stop, I spewed all over and, and watched as some some European people just sat and smoked on their break as they're climbing up from wherever. Just a casual smoke in the middle of the Grand Canyon on a uh, difficult hike. I fought on and met this woman who was having the same problem. Uh, and her ankle was, was really sore and it was very swollen. We pushed through together, talking, uh, but after a while... We just marched, sitting and breathing, taking turns, trying to compose and muster any strength we had left. Uh, I threw up in front of her. She threw up in me. We just kept going. I watched as some squirrels uh, fought over our our throw-up. And then a ranger found us, uh, the one who had actually helped me earlier kind of bringing up the caboose up the trail uh, and in a very 
cheerful voice just kept telling stories and uh, about the 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 canyon and people that he's met obviously trying to distract us from our uh, crippling uh, uh, pain and and uh, spinning heads but we finally made it around 7:30 we exchanged names but I, I couldn't even remember by the time I got back to my journal the bus back was nice but I could feel my legs just locking up and tightening as I sat And I got back to the uh, Holiday Inn. And at midnight, Indiana time, I, I texted a, a friend of mine back, back at IU. And her name was Emily, and it was, it was her birthday. Uh, she was the youngest of the friend group. And it was always kind of a big deal for her birthday. Because at one, she, you know, she would, had been turning... 20 and everyone else was already 20 by this point and it was always during the first week of school so it always gave everyone a reason to to celebrate in some way or another and um uh, i guessed it right i was you know i was worried i had guessed wrong and uh she caught me up on the the excitement of of welcome week and and some of the stories and i filled her in on what was going on and it was nice to chat again to someone and update me on uh, what could have been uh, where I could be at that moment. And I saw this raven, a bunch of them, um, skipping around the parking lot, just picking at food. And I just stood there, uh, hopping around, and occasionally tilting its head and an eerie, uh, mechanical-like way in all directions and it seemed haunting and all I could think was evermore the next morning like I had expected I could barely walk my mouth felt like sandpaper uh, and my tongue felt like a piece of wood my calves were tightening up and suffering from, from cramps on every step uh, and so I treated myself to another free breakfast, and in air quotes. And I was starting to uh, feel a little panic that the workers were, were starting to catch on to me, but they weren't. I managed to get one of the workers to unlock the pool, uh, just just to in, just to say like, yeah, you know, I just want to enjoy the pool. It was to bathe, um, and I splashed around in the pool, got in the hot tub tried to just work out my the, the the pain in my body from the day before and uh, felt spoiled at that moment. For the rest of the day, I had just decided to hike around and, and find uh, find little fun things to do around the park. I didn't dare go any to any trailhead um, or, or try any of that today. It was enough just to waddle uh, back and forth to the bus uh, and just, just walked around all the campgrounds and decided to pick up some trash because in my head it was time to uh, pay back for <laughs> for the lunches or for the breakfast that I was, I was getting. Well, I guess it was the way I would pack out from these buffets. It would serve as breakfast, lunch, dinner if I was smart enough. Um, 
and I saw this condor fly through the canyon, and they're endangered there. Uh, it's one of their safe havens, and it's posted everywhere, uh, reminding you of of how sh- um, um, few there are, but also how large they are, and how majestic of a, a beast they really are. And, uh, learning that they have a wingspan of up to nine feet four inches, and just couldn't really wrap my head around something that big that was a bird. Uh, and I was able to see one uh, take off and then land back to what looked like a nest and felt excited to to uh, feel connected to that that bit of nature for a little bit and then found my way back to the van it was a it was a slow day but it was it was enough to uh, just just feel I had nothing to do besides be there there was no there's no busking in the Grand Canyon. There was just uh, reflection and analysis and regrouping. So the next morning, my, my conscious was telling me no, but my stomach was telling me yes. And obviously, I listened to my stomach and helped myself to Holiday's Inn's, Holiday Inn's breakfast just one more time. Um... As I was leaving with the van, some kids were pointing and laughing at my van as I pulled out of the parking lot and kind of laughed with them. I, I knew what it must look like, especially to a kid that's riding around in their parents' Escalade or, or whatever they were in, and um, I figured it must be pretty funny. But I was excited to get to this spot in the Kaibab Forest for a day, which it's one of the, the biggest forests in the country, I believe, and uh, just sits on the south side of the rim. And it was actually right, I pulled off right before the uh, entrance through that booth where I got my ticket. Pulled in maybe a quarter mile, but seemed far enough in to where I was totally immersed to where no one was around for miles. Uh, couldn't hear the road. Couldn't see any light. Couldn't see any people. And the rest of that day, I just enjoyed the van. We, I say we, me and the van, uh, enjoyed each other's company. And I was reading a lot. It was nice to, to work my brain and, and feel the breeze uh, through the van as I, as I napped. Uh, the van was warm in the shade. And when I woke, the, the shade from the, the fall or from the tall firs had stretched across the ground. My fingers were calloused by the end of the day and and bruised from as much as I had been playing guitar um, I needed to, to lay off at least because I, I couldn't play anything I finished a couple couple new songs I had been working on obviously inspired by some of the stuff that had uh, happened like the, like the one Chase the Sunset the one that I had written at that uh, uh, McDonald's toll booth area in, in Oklahoma 
And as I finished it, I thought of a joke Sarah told me when I was in Tulsa that um, the reason why Oklahoma is so windy is because Texas sucks and Kansas blows. And I, I thought of that and laughed to myself in the van. Uh, nothing against you Texans and Kansasians, but uh, it's a cute little joke. And it started to get dark, and I sat on top of the van uh, and just just breathed and felt content to be where I was at and to um, I felt I felt honored to be allowed to be here and I felt honored to make this the place where I was gonna die and I wasn't sure how it was gonna happen yet um but I felt like at peace, obviously anxious about it, of course, but I felt like, okay, I've, I've made it to where it can just be, and I can be here where these giant fir trees were becoming silent silhouettes and just towered around me like skyscrapers just to seem to um, embrace me and wrap around me and make me feel safe. When when others may feel like, like shadows and, and the dark felt uh, could be uh, terrifying imagery, to me it felt warming, even as the night grew colder. And I laid in the van and was seconds from sleep and I felt uh, I was laying on my back and I'd never had an experience like this before but I felt something from where my my neck hits my skull in my brain and it, it felt like like a warmth like a snake crawling through the crevices of, of the back of my brain and I felt it slowly make its way over the top of my head to the front of my brain and it it hit right in the middle of my forehead and I sat up and like screamed out loud not, not in fear or in uh, worry but just like just a bleh, just couldn't contain what I had just what just popped into my head it was truly divine and I I said out loud that there is a reason for everything and that reason is now there is a reason for everything and that reason is now and I just kept saying it until I fell asleep trying to so, I mean, I knew what it meant, um, but trying to sort out each meaning to that. And I thought long and hard about it, and it, it, means, it means everything. 
it means there 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 is such thing as um, fate, destiny, divine intent, but it also contradicts it in saying that life is a random assortment of um, decisions and and um, p- p- situations we put ourselves in that that result in an outcome. It means the same thing. And I found so much beauty in that. That everything that has ever happened in my life and in the lives of everyone around me, everyone before me, every plant, every every, every beast, every uh, splash of water, every cosmic explosion, every dead part in space has brought every single one of us to this moment right now together and every moment ticks by and we're together some die some are born and it's the decisions that they have made that set them up for the probability of something else happening and I say, I say decisions, I misspoke. There are no decisions in that way. They're, they're, since the dawn of time, it's all been constructed by math and probability that someone will do something and react. True divinity is only present in moments like this that I felt and I'm not saying that I'm like godlike at this moment or anything like that I'm just saying I I felt like something else had happened because I was so uh, that this had presented itself to me and all of these weird characters on this odyssey had began to you know, the, had shown up and either taken the roles of, of the villains or um, the sidekick heroes. They were there because I had decided to do this. When I think probability, in the way that my life had always run and been set up, was was probably not in favor of it ever happening. And I dwelt on it for a long time. Uh, The next morning, I was super slow moving uh, and just enjoyed being in the forest again, uh, still dwelling on that creeping thought um, not even dwelling, just feeling consumed by it. Again, still sorting out the the meaning and quite honestly where it came from. And I decided I was going to hike the the rim trail today, and it was a lot longer than I expected. And uh, on the trail, they had little markers that you could walk along this timeline 
to start at the Grand Canyon and then even the Earth going back billions of years ago. And that seemed to reinforce even more. Like It was just like, oh, I, I see what you're doing here. I, I see what you did there, God, Yah, universe, whatever. I, I see... I see, thank you for um, uh, reinforcing the, the, the response to this thought that you had presented me with by putting this um, visual aid literally at my footsteps to walk back in time to the Grand Canyon and then even the earth knowing that these things have are ancient and been here forever, uh, but have played a part in my probability of being who I should have been as opposed to being who I am. And I dwelled on the, the, the cosmic ramifications of, of everything for a while to, to really no avail, just, uh, <laughs> waxing poetically sitting on the edge of the Grand Canyon, eventually making my way back to the, to the Kaibab forest. Uh, see, I'd have to park at that big IMAX where they would have the shuttle bus to and from if you didn't want to drive in. So I was on my back, way back to uh, Tusk Canyon, I believe is what it was called, right before uh, um, I was heading back to the van. And, and in the, the shuttle bus were 15 middle-aged, loud German men who wouldn't sit together. Uh, they all spread, the, the 15 of them spread out in different seats throughout the bus and they just yelled across, clearly in pain from, from some hike that they were on, and yelled across the bus to each other in German and just laughed, probably giving each other shit. And uh, I'm sitting there by myself and laughed along with them just because I, could, I couldn't understand, but I could, <laughs> I, could, I could hear the shit talking, and it was funny to me. And laughed even though I had no idea what they were talking about. So I made my back, way back to the Kaibab Forest. And my spot wasn't taken, but uh, someone was parked next to me. And I was going to just bypass, uh, but this person wasn't far, and I had really enjoyed my spot. Or it wasn't too close, I, I mean. And, and like I said, I had really enjoyed my my spot and the way the sun had hit it and the, the shadows of the trees and uh, I wasn't going to let stranger danger push me out of this area so it was still a little light out uh, the sun had just just start to set so we had a few hours of of, of the night left uh, and um uh, I went to introduce myself to this man. He was by himself, was just in a Honda Civic kind of car, probably was a Honda Civic, small tent, 
the back, the back was full and, uh, his name was Leo and Leo was very quiet. And I, at first, uh, first point in the conversation, I, I felt like he was annoyed with me. Um, but as soon as I said, you know, Hey, I'm Joe, just, you know, just want to say, hi. I'm just hanging out over here. It's my last night here. Uh, I just want to, you know, just want to say hi. Didn't say much, but as soon as I started to walk away, he began asking questions about the van. And uh, next thing I know, we we got to talking about um, each other's lives. Spent the next few hours uh, building a fire. He made dinner. Uh, just you know, hot dogs and boiled some water with some rice. A uh, couple beers. And he shared that he was on his way home. Uh, back to Oregon. And he said he had been coming from Florida and just wanted to stop, stop in. I said, well, why are you driving? He's like, well, it's just a bunch of the stuff that I have in the back that I'm trying to get up to my family. And he never mentioned whether or not he was referring to wife and kids or uh, his parents. Like I said, he he didn't he didn't talk a whole lot about his personal life. Uh, he was more just curious about me. And he uh, he he had he had a gun. Uh, on him and I noticed immediately uh, when I walked up and spoke to him but I ignored it uh, but was aware and he set it down on the table uh, just his little pop-up table where he was doing a lot of his cooking and um, I don't know guns I don't even really know how to use one uh, to this day. Definitely not then. Uh, but I know it wasn't a revolver. It was a handgun. And I just kept staring at it. Especially after uh, a few beers. I just kept seeing it and kept thinking about where... I was, uh, and all the thoughts that had just been popping into my head about feeling okay, about this being it, and just feeling satisfied and content, and feeling like it was time. I had made the rounds uh, with calls over the week, not, not by design, but I had talked to everyone I needed to talk to out of loneliness, but in my mind, sitting there by that fire, uh, it was the last time I was going to talk to him. And uh, over the next few hours, he loosened up and uh, swapped stories about his days in high school and, and was really uh, big on 
the, the glory times, um, and, and how his life has, had taken, uh, some sort of a turn. Like I said, he just, he wouldn't talk about it much. Um, tried to talk sports with me. (laughs) Didn't, wasn't going to happen. Um, but I was, I was getting quiet too because I kept staring at it, sitting there, the gun. And with every heartbeat and every word, every breath, my eyes would find it and calculate what I needed to do as quick as I needed to do it. And my breath was getting heavy and my my heart was beating out of my chest, but it felt like, this is it. This is right. This is it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Gun. You're going to pick it up and you're going to gun. You're going to, you're going to do it. You're going to push him out of the way and you're going to gun, like gun, 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 gun. And I just sat there waiting for the moment. And time was frozen. He was eating and I was staring at it. And I and I reached for it. Lunged for it. And with one motion he pulled my shirt to the ground as I was reaching for it with my own momentum, pushed me to the ground, picked it up, and kicked me in the stomach as I was on the ground by the fire. Didn't point the gun at me, but said, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? He just kept saying it. And I just started crying. And he just kept saying, what the fuck do you think you're doing? He never pointed at me, but he could have. I mean, he was holding it to where all he had to do was point at me. I didn't know what I was going to do if I was going to, once I got my hands on it. Was it loaded? You know? Was it, was it cocked? Was the safety on? But it was my ticket. And I just began to weep throw a tantrum almost and he grabbed me by my my shoulder shirt hard not in a consoling way and he said you have two minutes to pack up your shit and get the fuck out of here or you and I are going to have some problems and he's like you better not come back here tonight and you need to get the fuck out as quiet and as stern as that. Now over the entirety of this trip, there were waves of this feeling. Uh, sometimes it would be uh, that, that, that death destiny would, would seem uh, very true and easy to accomplish, especially when every 
power line pole, roadside tree, uh, passing car. Seemed like a pretty simple exit. All it would take is one swerve at the right spot. The van was pretty big. It was a big hunk of metal. It would have done the trick. But I never did it. And then there were some days that I felt like I was over that shit. Like I felt like I was safe in the universe. And that everything was going to be fine. And then I would flip-flop immediately in that same thought. And realize that, well, if I'm safe in the universe, then once I do die, then I'll just go back to to the earth. Or, I like, it's all conserved. Nothing is wasted. Consciousness is collected. Whatever, whatever excuse I would try and uh, say to make this seem okay. To make it seem like it was destiny. I had planned the song that I was always going to do it to. Once that seed was was planted through school, it was another song that uh, I would play and just was washed in uh, in hmm, hopeful dread. Paralyzing breathlessness. And I listened to him immediately. I got the fuck out of there. In the middle of the night. Threw everything that was out back into the van. And headed back towards Williams. Once I got back on the interstate, I, I stopped at the first gas station exit. I was, I was, it was clear I wasn't going to sleep. I found a dark little corner in the back of the parking lot and put on that song. Tears were coming out of my eyes, but I felt so numb. And, and so empty. Every emotion-causing chemical in my brain had been dumped, had prepared for my last stand, my date with destiny. And I stopped crying and played that song and began to pound the steering wheel, punch the ceiling, tear at the seats, smash the window. Anything I could to uh, take out my, my anger or frustration. 
still with nothing. Almost dead face. There was nothing there. I didn't know how I was going to make it any farther. How I was going to find the... I don't want to say courage, because it's not. But when you're fighting every biological instinct to be done, you you have to, to dig into something divine. You have to dig into something inhuman. Because our humanity is what keeps us alive. Our inner animal is what keeps us alive. And for the past year, I had tried to suppress both of, both of those things to the point where it could be an easy decision and an easy instinct to reach and then be done. I'll see you next time. Someday Painted sun blue.